Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. Last week, Shar and I, and I want to say thank you to Frank Suja for teaching my Sunday school class and for Al for preaching in this, this service here. Last week, my wife and I went to um, Branson with other couples that we've been doing for a number of years now. We've enjoyed those for all those years. It's been a wonderful, wonderful time. Look forward to it every year we get a chance to do it. We went down, Shar and I went down a little early because a friend of mine had passed away there. And they were going to have a memorial service for him, and I wanted to be there for that memorial service. We got to the uh, chapel where it was being held, and it was gorgeous. It was just gorgeous. Uh, it was out in the country, uh, the same company that has Bass Pro Shop and Dogwood Canyon and Cabela's and all that, owns a lot of territory down there, and they built this chapel. The chapel at the end of it was just almost solid glass. And it looked out on Table Rock Lake. So if you can imagine what that looked like, Table Rock Lake was there, and it's just gorgeous. I mean, it was beautiful. And it just happened to be that uh, just down from that over on the left-hand side was the same place that my buddy liked to do his fishing. He liked to fish a lot right down there. But what Char and I noticed was up over the big glass was this phrase, Be still and know that I am God. Wow. We stopped and looked at that and thought, man, and even commented on it. That, you know, this is a good place to be still. When you look out over what God has done and how he's created and you start thinking about what all the processes are that are operating right there, all the things that are living in that water, all the trees and the things that are living among those trees there and all the things that God has done, it was good to just to be still and know that he's God. Well, we had all gone down because we wanted to see the Sight and Sound Theater has a thing called uh, that they were putting on a production of Queen Esther. Um, Queen Esther is, uh, I'm just going to say, if you get a chance between now and December 30th to get down to Sight and Sound Theater and watch that, may I say it's one of the best I've ever seen. I, I have, the, the, the set, the scenery was just fantastic. Sight and Sound Theater is not only a stage in front of you, it's a stage on either side of you. And they use live animals, and on, the music was just fantastic. It was a great, great opportunity, and we were very grateful to get to do it. But during it, repeatedly throughout that, Queen Esther would fall down on her knee, and it would be Queen Esther this time say, Be still. No that I am God. Mordecai falls down on his knee at one point and says, be still and know that I am God. It kept happening all through Queen Esther. Later, we went to some of the, one of men's favorite things, we went to a mall and we were shopping there. You know, I never really went to malls until I was, I had prostate cancer and, um, was taking estrogen. That was part of the treatment for it. And I was overwhelmed by a desire to shop. But I only wanted to shop in high heels. I, I, don't, I don't know quite what it was, but 
While there, Char's in a clothing shop. And there, on, well, I guess, close to, is this plaque. Want to guess what the plaque said? Be still and know that I am God. You know, if you say those words and you put a different emphasis on each, each time, be still and know that I am God. 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 You follow that? It was something that was enough that I, I was really moved to, to think that through and study that through. And that's when I determined that must be what the Lord wants me to speak on today. So we're going to speak on that today. So if, if um, you know, turn your Bibles to Psalm 46, we'll be there in just a moment. We're going to do a responsive reading from Psalm 46, first of all. And before we do that responsive reading, I've got a couple of things I would like to just bring you up on. <clears throat> We're, the next big event in God's calendar is Pentecost. That's coming up right at the end of this month. I think it'll be the 25th to 26th of this month is Pentecost. Well, that's a Wednesday and Thursday or Thursday and Friday. I don't remember exactly how it is there. But the Sunday following that's Memorial Sunday, and that's also the Sunday that the church usually celebrates Pentecost. Well, I have some things that I'd like to celebrate with Pentecost, tell you more about that a little bit later. But Pentecost is the time when the Holy Spirit came to the believers who were there after they had prayed and prayed and prayed. They'd been with Jesus for 40 days, and he had taught them to pray during those 40 days. And then those next 10 days, they did not know what was supposed to happen. All they knew is Jesus said, you wait in Jerusalem until power comes upon you. And so for those next 10 days, they didn't know how long it was going to be. It was just, just happened to be 10 days. Those next 10 days, they prayed, as the scriptures say, continually with one mind. They were all in this one mind together. And they prayed continually. And then Pentecost happened. And there, all those people from all those different locations, all the way from way back over into Pakistan, in that area, all the way over to Spain, and all the different languages that were known in between there, all gathered into Jerusalem there. There, the people heard the gospel in their own language. An amazing reversal of the, uh, the Tower of Babel. Amazing thing that took place there. That was the outpouring of missions. That's when missions started. That's when he said, you don't just go to the children of Israel anymore. Because that's what the original mission was. When you look back when Jesus was walking to the disciples, he gave them that mission. He said, here's what you do. You go only to the house of Israel. Don't go to the Gentiles. Go only to the house of Israel. After his resurrection, he said, you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. And you will go in and you will disciple all the nations. So he opened that wide up. And that's what was supposed to take place. And that's what's been taking place since that time. We are in missions. Well, I wanted Edgemont Bible Church to participate in that. 
So here's what I'd like to ask you to do. Would you begin every day in earnest prayer? Earnest prayer each day. Salvation of Israel. Israel's key in this thing, kids. Israel's the big key in it. You're going to pray for the salvation of Israel. You're going to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Ask for a revival to come to the church of Jesus Christ. It won't do you any good to ask for a revival to come to the United States. There's a whole lot of unbelief in that. There's a whole lot of paganism going on in that. They won't be revived. You can only be revived if you had some, some life in you. You follow that? That's all that can be revived. If you're dead in sins and trespasses, you're not going to be revived. You need to be saved, not revived. But the church needs reviving. So if you can just do those three things, one, pray for the salvation of Israel. Two, pray for revival for the church. What did I tell you the third one? The Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Okay? Just pray for those three things. And if you can do it five times a day, that's great. If you can do it ten times a day, that's wonderful. If you can only do it three times a day, that's good too. But do it every day, would you? Every day to Pentecost. That's what you're going to commit to. I want this to happen. Get hungry for it. Get your mouth where it's just set and ready. I can taste the kingdom. I want the kingdom. I want that. That's what I want more than anything else. I don't want potato chips anymore. I don't want milk anymore. I want real, good, solid food. I want that to come. All right? Would you pray that with me? All right, then the next thing. Here's one more thing. On Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, I would like to invite, for right now, I'd like to invite men, any men who wants to come. I want to talk about the eschatological things. We want to talk about the tribulation. We want to talk about the rapture. And I'd like to just invite you to come. You don't have to, I'm going to be here whether there's two or me or just by myself. Or I talk to myself. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of doing it. I've done that plenty. In fact, I'm thinking about doing that right now. But my point is this. I want to talk about that. I want us to get together about that. There are some good things that we need to talk about in that. So if you'd like to join me, I'll be here at 7 o'clock, fellas. Bring a Bible. And we'll, we'll get together to talk about that. Now, if you'd stand together with me, we're going to read our responsive reading this morning. Hey, Trail Life guys, I see you're back again. Was it good? Did you guys enjoy it? What'd they say? Now, were they yelling fire? Okay, anyway, I'm glad to see you guys. What a, what a great trip. Let's read together. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, and the earth melted. Come, behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You can be seated just now. As you're being seated, hope you'll uh, open your Bibles to Psalm 46. Okay. One of the songs that we sung this morning, I was really 
interested in this line. It says, When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. So does he say that we will go through fiery trials? Yes. Yes, kids, you don't have to wait to the tribulation for fiery trials. The church has been in fiery trials since it started. So that's not unusual. So don't get all hung up and say, we shouldn't have to go through that. Yes, we should. That's our heritage is going through that. You follow where I'm at? So went through fiery trials. You, you, his grace is sufficient to be the supply. Listen to what he said. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume, thy gold to refine. Kids, that is what God has been doing. That's why he lets fiery trials come to us. He's purifying us. He's refining us. Therefore, when they come about, we're supposed to rejoice because that means the great pruner is coming up to the vine and the branches and he's taking off stuff which isn't worth anything. God didn't ask you to be a pretty plant. He asked you to be a fruitful plant. You follow what I'm saying? You don't have to be like me. You can be also fruitful. That's the pretty, oh, never mind, okay? Should have talked to myself on that one, huh? My point is this, guys. It is like our God to give us tough things. It is like him. Because there's stuff in us that needs to be removed. There's stuff in us that sometimes we're holding on too tightly, making it too dear to us. Why do you think he asked Abraham, as we have on our um, banner there, the Lord is my provider. Why do you think he asked Abraham to take his son and sacrifice him? It was because Abraham's holding on too tightly. And, and God brings him to that place where he's got to say, let it go. Let it go. I could say, be still and know that I am God. It is just like our God to take us through those kinds of trials that you're going to have, all right? That's why when I said, I thank God for Joe Biden. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're Republican, I don't expect to see you next week. <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm saying that because that really did happen. You know, uh, the, we, I really said something like that, and someone walked away and said, don't ever pray for somebody like that. That's just, I didn't say I'm praying for him. I'm supposed to pray for him. Here's what I'm thinking for. The flames are made to refine your dross. Kids, if we are so secure that we are right on, we're doing God's will, we are a perfect church, then we really need revival. You understand what I'm saying? We're in deep need of revival. If that's what we think. No, kids, it's guys like him who bring the fire that refines who we are. It's guys like him that God raises up. Why do you think he raises up a Nebuchadnezzar? Remember, Nebuchadnezzar was raised up to spank Israel because they had done wrong things. Kids, there are times when you ought to say, I thank you for the paddle, Father. I know I needed that. I had become a little rebellious. I had become really selfish. I had forgotten what I'm really here for. I'd lost my purpose. 
You're right. I know I'm supposed to tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I'm supposed to talk about your kingdom. But I'm so busy. I've got so much going on. All he has to do is remove busy. You would think COVID would have taught us. But I'm not sure we got any more out of COVID than being angry because of some incompetence that made things happen. You follow what I'm saying? Church, he was giving us opportunity to be refined. We've got to be people who can see the big picture and not just the little one, not just the current one. You follow where I'm coming from on that? Now, I, I question, do I want to say that early in the sermon and risk that you won't listen to the rest of it? Or do I want to wait until after it's over and let you be mad as you go out? You see what I chose, all right? You're engaged in a spiritual warfare, kids. Big time. If you haven't seen that, please open your eyes. You are in a war, and you, you didn't choose to be in it. You don't have to choose to be in it. Matter of fact, you can't choose one way or the other. All you can do is choose, I'm not going to fight. Well, you'll just get run over. Kids, it is that kind of time. All right? So let's take a look at Psalm 46. Psalm 46 starts out this way. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Stop. Let's start with that one. God, that's Elohim, the, big, the name for, for God himself. God is our refuge. When, um, when I was small, I, know, I should say this, God is our refuge, a very present help in trouble. You say that our? This, that already implies you have a relationship to God. You, this doesn't say God is a refuge and strength. It says God is our refuge. It is acknowledging that's who I am. I belong to God. I don't belong to me anymore. I, I don't belong to anyone else. I belong to the living God, and I'm in a relationship with him. Always start there, kids. And let me tell you why you ought to start there. Number one, this is a situation in which I've recognized this person writing this is facing insurmountable odds. He can't do anything about what he's facing himself. And I'll show you why I say that a little bit later. He knows he has beyond his resources now. All of his own strength, all of his own personality, all of his own everything, everything he depended on isn't going to work. And as I looked at this, I realized this is Ezekiel 38 and 39. This is when Israel is facing all of those enemies on the mountains of Israel, and they are going to destroy Israel. That's their goal. They're going to wipe Israel off. And Israel knows it's without its resources. It knows it cannot look to anyone else for help. No one's coming. It can't look to anybody else for any kind of support. No one's coming. The whole region is upset with them, and the whole region is going to take out one tiny little place. So here, this guy who's watching everybody that's on the mountains of Israel and knowing this, we're dead. This is over. He's saying this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's building himself back up again. What he's doing is rehearsing the works of God. 
Now, let me just say this. I know that in this room there are controllers. You want to be in control of everything. And you get angry when you're not in control of everybody, everything. I want you to hear this. You are not going to be in control. Hear this. Your manipulations have made you think you're in control, but you're in control of nothing. People know you for who you are, and they don't want to be around you. You ready to follow that? So if I can say this to controllers, hear this. You won't have it. It's gone. God is your refuge and strength. Not you anymore. Not your ability to manipulate. Not your ability to persuade. God is your refuge and strength. Everybody follow me here? All right. When I was a kid, we lived in Independence, Missouri. And it frequently had lots of tornadoes. It just seemed like as, as soon as March hit, we, we could hear sirens going. It's like that's the way you start off your month. Okay, let's everybody get to the basement. You know, I was so glad to have a basement. We didn't have one in our house. We had to go across the driveway into my uncle's house, but he had a nice, a nice uh, big house there that had uh, a real good basement underneath it and stuff. And I would take my Bible with me. See, I was eight, nine years old, something like that. I'd take my Bible with me. It, was a, it had a picture of Jesus on the front and children uh, talking to Jesus, and it was a color and all that. It had real neat pictures inside of it and stuff, and there was a great picture of Noah there. And I'd go down into the basement there with everybody else, and I'd, I'd sit there and read. Electricity go off, and I have my little flashlight, and I'm reading my Bible. Oh, this is good. I love my Bible. Love my Bible. I felt safe there. We never got struck by a tornado. Destroyed Ruskin Heights. I can remember years ago, the whole subdivision of Ruskin Heights just disappeared. Huge tornado took it out. Can I tell you something? God is your bomb shelter. God is your storm shelter. And nothing touches him. Everybody with that? So before you start thinking about, oh, how bad Biden is, how bad this is, how bad the government is, how bad the... Stop. Go to the place where you know storms don't touch. Go to the place where it's not just a passive basement you're going to, but an active, right-in-your-face teeth that will say, not here. Stop there. I have you. This one is mine. God is our refuge. He's our hiding place. He's our strength. And the word that's used here is for powerful, unbreakable, renewing and refreshing. It it isn't just having great strength. It's not just a a great weightlifter type strength. This, This strength that's coming from it carries with it the capacity to strengthen everything it touches. It's like an enormous battery that gets hooked up to everything and plays it all. That, That kind of strength is such that nothing bothers it. It refreshes everybody else. It's great strength. God is our refuge and strength. He's the one who gives us bold courage. Listen, this is the one that David killed Goliath with. You follow that? That's his strength. David knew that he could hide, yeah, but he wasn't going to hide. He was planning to take Goliath out. 
And it was God that gave him the bold courage to take Goliath out. It is this giver, this one of strength, that caused the disciples to witness and testify of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere. Even with the threats of death, even after stoning, even after all kinds of things happened to them, imprisonment, uh, torture, they continued to do it. Why? Because the one who was the strength energizes. God is our refuge, our hiding place, and he's our strength. He's the one that restores us and gets us to move ahead. But that's not all. Here it says, he's a very present help in trouble. I was looking at the Hebrew of this and trying to translate the Hebrew, and I realized, that's the wrong word. <laughs> I couldn't find the word present there because it's not there. That's not what the word is, but I can understand why they did it. It means to be found. I thought, how do you put that in it? How does to be found? He is a very present help in trouble. When you are looking for him, he is there. Here's what I put down, and I, I think I can back it up with scriptures. He can be found when sought. He told Israel time and again, when you seek me, I will be found. And that was the word that's used. When you look for me, I will be found. When you cry unto me, I will be found. I will be present. I thought maybe it was going to be Shema, uh, this one back here. But that's not what it is. Yes, he's always present. But this is where he is found by people who look for him. If I can say further, he's not interfering with you. God is present with you right now. And if you're not seeking him right now, you won't be noticing him. But if you stop for even a second and say, Father, open my heart to what this is. Open my heart to the truth of all this. He will be found. And you will know him. James puts it this way. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The filling of the Spirit is you move in the direction of the Spirit, and the Spirit moves in your direction and completes your action. That's the way this always has been. He will be found by those who seek him. But he wants to be wanted. In other words, he's not going to move in and stop you from doing wrong things. If you're doing something wrong and God's not done anything to you yet, then don't, don't fool yourself into believing that God approves of it. He doesn't. Sometimes he lets you do things and the consequences of it catch up with you. And that sometimes is enough spanking right there. You don't need additional spanking when the consequences catch up with you. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He can be found when you look for him. But you've got to look for him. He wants to be wanted. He wants you to say, Father, I need you. Father, I'm undone. Father, Abba. He wants you to cry out to him. He wants to be needed. All right? But I want you to look also in verses 7 and 11. Psalm 46, verses 7 and 11. Not only is he our refuge and strength of every present help in trouble, he is also, as verse 7 says, the Lord of hosts is with us. I thought this was really neat. The Lord of hosts, you see it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And as I've tried to let you know before, that's his personal name. That's this Jehovah we have up here. 
uh, take the, the vowels out, and that's the letters you'd find, J-H-V-H, Y-H-W-H, Y-H-V-H. That's his personal name. It has to do with continuous being. It has to be self-sustaining, that nothing harms him. He's eternal. That's who he is. And that Lord is with us. Here's a neat thing. The word with us is imanu, the Hebrew word imanu. You've seen it before quite often. All you have to do is add the um, initials for God on the end of it, and you have it. It's I-M-M-A-N-U. Put the E-L on the end, and you have Emmanuel, God with us. Do you remember why God wanted wanted to go take Israel through this Ezekiel 38, 39 thing? That all nations will know that I am the Lord. And that Israel will know that I am the Lord. I will be exalted among them. I'll be exalted among the nations. And I will be with my people. Guys, the Lord of hosts is with us. So when you are facing that thing that looks like it's insurmountable, when you know you're beyond your resources, you're done, you don't have anything left to use, you're done completely. Would you run and just simply say, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The Lord of hosts is with me. What's hosts? Hosts is a whole army of heaven. That's the whole thing. The Scriptures tell us that's thousands of thousands, that's ten thousand thousands and thousands, that's hosts beyond number. The Lord of hosts is with us. May I ask you, what can Putin do against the Lord of hosts? What is it that, I don't even know how to say his name, Jing or whatever his name is, what is he against the Lord of hosts? You follow where I'm coming from? And kids, if that's not enough, what is any federal agency against the Lord of hosts? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Why waste emotional energy getting all miffed about people doing silly things when they're confronting the Lord of hosts? You remember when Jesus dying on the cross, it says that he commanded thousands of angels that he could have called at any moment that would have destroyed everybody that was doing this. But instead, he surrendered, did not do that, and the Lord of hosts was with us. The Lord of hosts was right there on Calvary. Could have called anything at any moment. But the Lord of hosts was with us. He was not afraid. And if they had understood who he was, it's them that would have been afraid. I think maybe the centurion got the idea after a while, oh boy, this must have been the Son of God. All right? But I want you to notice also in verse 7, it's not just the Lord of hosts that's with us. It is the God of Jacob. Uh, as As he says it here in verse 7, God of Jacob is our refuge. Used a different word for refuge there. Not the same word as up in the, the other one. This word for refuge here is a stronghold that is high above. It's untouchable. You can't get there. 
You couldn't touch this stronghold, and that's where you are. That's where God wants you to be. Everybody follow that? Right while you are looking at things being insurmountable, that you couldn't possibly fight against this, you're out of resources, God is your refuge and strength. God is very present. He is ready to be found as soon as you ask him. But you're going to have to put down whatever tool you think you've got that makes you so cool and say, my tool won't fight this group. I need the Lord of hosts. You've got to know what he does. So first of all, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know who he is. And then you've got to know what he does. Look at 46, 6 through 9. I think this is a, a cool thing. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. And the earth melted. That's it. The whole group was gathered together with all their military might. I, you know, I shudder sometimes when I think I hear that Iran has 150,000 missiles pointed at Israel. I, I can't even conceive 150,000 missiles. I can't conceive what that would look like once you start firing 150,000 missiles. Another part of the country has 200,000 faces. I'm thinking, is this kind of overkill or what? What in the world? You've got all of that massive array against us. And the Lord says, he uttered his voice and the earth melted. Kids, don't ever forget, this is the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. Let the earth bring forth its vegetation, and it brings forth vegetation. And he, and he speaks, and things come to be. How hard was it for him to speak, and things disappear? So when you think you're facing something just totally insurmountable, would you come back to your real source? So let's take a look at what he says in uh, verse 8. Okay. Come behold the works of the Lord. No, I, I'm, I'm going to take you back. Let me go back to uh, verse 4. Verse 4 for just a minute. In verse 4 he says this. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. So let me just work this. In the middle of telling all those things about how bad the situation is, that the mountains could shake, the, uh, everything could fall apart, he's saying there, there's a river there. There is a river in the city of God that makes the whole city glad. In that safe place, in that refuge where you go, in that place where the strength is, there's a river there. And that river makes the whole city glad. And the whole city is God's city. And it is untouched by all the turmoil of the world. It's untouched by political movements. It's untouched by military threats. It's untouched by all of that, kids. That's your safe place. And that city is not just now let's all cower. Now, I can tell you when, when we got down into the... Um, the basement in Independence when I was living there, we got down, when the electricity went off, we're all just kind of shaking because outside we can hear all kinds of stuff. 
it's blowing hard. And we can hear things hitting against this and hitting against that, and you're wondering what kind of damage we're going to see when we get up in the morning. We were cowering in there. You follow that? This guy is wanting you to know that when God's your refuge and strength, you are not cowering inside. You're at peace with God inside, and you're looking at the river. Wow, this is a neat river, God. This is the river that's ankle-deep here, and it's knee-deep here, and it's waist-deep here. Now it's over my head out here. This is a great river. And look at it. Beside the river, all those trees are growing, and they're producing their fruit once a month. I'm glad in this city. I love to be in this city. You follow what I'm saying? That's where he's going. That's where he's taking his refuge. Not in the turmoil that's going on around him. Not in the cyclone that seems to be buzzing up to destroy everything that's out there. I do not doubt that if the political folks keep doing the things they think they're doing, we'll be in a cyclone soon. I can't imagine how it's all going to stay together. But can I say this? You don't have to be there. You have a place. And that's not escapism, kids. That's called trust in God. It's called trust in God. Let me... me, Let me bring back now to verse 8. Come behold the works of the Lord. He has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Now, kids, I want you to get this picture. This is not to say that war isn't disastrous. There are all kinds of things. There are all kinds of people that die. There's all kinds of cruelties that take place in there that really can't be spoken privately. But he's saying this, the one who ends it is the one who's in control. And he's the one who breaks that. When I was looking at this, I thought, wow, this sounds so much like what he said he was going to do in 39 Ezekiel 39, when he said, all those armies are going to be gathered there together. And he said, I'm just going to speak to the earth, and the earth is going to split apart. When it splits apart, some are going to die from the earthquake. I'm going to cause fear to come upon them, and they'll fight each other. I am going to cause a fire to take place. It'll burn a lot. I'm going to cause hail to take place. I'm going to cause a rain to take place. All that flooding rain is going to take place. I am in charge. And I'll bring this to a close. I'm the one who brings wars to cease. I take the bow right out of your hand. I'll take it right out of you. I was reviewing this. I was going back over in, um, I think it's 2 Kings 30-something or other. Hezekiah is now surrounded by uh, Jerusalem and Hezekiah the king. They're surrounded by Sennacherib and all the Assyrian army. Talk about an array of weapons. This is a cruel bunch. This bunch is the kind that, has, uh, that puts razors on their razor-sharp instruments on their um, chariots and run over the wounded so that it'll intimidate you. You can hear the wounded out there saying, oh, help, help, help. And the, these guys will just run right over them with their chariots to cut and slice them all up and end all that just to intimidate you. And they're right outside the door. And they've come up to the wall, and they're reading this letter saying, Oh, Sennacherib the Great says surrender. No point fighting anymore. Hey, 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 stop talking in Hebrew. Talk in Aramaic. We understand Aramaic. Now I'm talking what I want to talk. 
Here we go. Read it out. Don't think that Yahweh is going to do anything for you. Look at so-and-so. Look at so-and-so. He couldn't stand before us. You got till tomorrow morning. Away he goes. Hezekiah takes that letter, lays it before the Lord and says, look what they're talking to you about. Look what they're saying about you. They're saying these things about you. You going to let them talk to you like that? That night, the angel of the Lord swept down on Sennacherib's army and just destroyed them. They get up the next morning looking around. and Two, two beggars that had been out walking around said, you know, there's no food inside Jerusalem. We might as well go to the enemy. What's the worst they can do, kill us? We're going to die of starvation anyway. And they get up to the camp, and there's all these dead folk. And then they go in, and they start gathering up all this food, and they start gathering up all this stuff. They're having a great time. They said, is it right that we should eat all this and be blessed like this? Shouldn't the people inside there know? And these two guys go and tell them, and from there on, Israel loots. How do you do that? Here's how you do it. Because God who is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble, the Lord of hosts who's with us, the God of Jacob who is present with us, he brings wars to an end. He does things that military folk can't even figure out. That's where you go when you know you're out of resources. Everybody with me? Let me go on a step further. Because here's where it gets good. You practice what you know, letter D. We will not fear. And here, here he says this in verse 2. Therefore, because God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Can, can you see a great earthquake there? When I see a great earthquake, I see the, the earth being removed and it's falling into the sea and the mountains are crumbling down. He's saying, though all of that takes place, though its waters roar in the midst of the sea here, and though its waters roar and be troubled, boy, the sea is just making all kinds of racket. It's dragging things into it. It's doing all kinds of, though the mountains shake with its swelling, we will not fear. We're not going to be afraid. Now, Kids, i got to tell you, to be living in Israel when you know that you are facing all that horde that's against you, and then to watch as everything begins to shake up in your land, and earthquakes are everywhere, where are you going to? You're just going to stand there and say, wow, this is quite a scene. Let's watch this one. Or do you suppose you might be wanting to get out of the way? How do you know whether it's going to strike you or not? But you're watching it strike your enemies. You're watching it take all of that out. And even though all those things take place, we will not fear. Why? We know who's doing it. We know who's in charge. We know that's the one who's the refuge and strength. Now let me take you to this one. Come with me to verse 10. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. This word, be still. Kids, it was surprising to me as I read it. We have another thing that's like it up here. It's this white banner over here. 
See that word Jehovah Rapha? Well, again, Hebrew doesn't have vowels. It has only consonants. And if you see that, that R-P-H are the consonants in there. And that means to heal. But it's related to the word that's found right here, to be still. Uh, The be still is an R-P-A, Aleph, okay? It's an R-P-A. They are related to each other. And I couldn't understand why. What, 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 what? This word means surrender. I mean, fully. This is lay it all down. Get, get weak. Stop thinking you're strong at all. Get weak. That's what be still means. And he says that in that being still is when you get well. It's when you are no longer proud in yourself. You no longer believe in it. I can take this. I can do it all myself. I don't have to worry about it. It's in your loss when humility comes to you that he is found. It's in your weakness that he is made strong. Everybody follow where we're at? But that's not what we like to do. We like to think we're fighting to the last moment. You're out of resources in this one. Everybody follow what I'm saying? That's how I know this person was out of resources. This person was backing up and trying to encourage himself all he could about how great God is, about all of God's strength, about all of God being a refuge. He's going through that to remind himself, I'm looking in the face of an impossible problem. I can't do anything about it. I don't have any resources. I'm done. That's when he says, be still. And that being still is about surrender. It is what the Lord Jesus Christ said, no man can come to me, but yet he deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He, he was letting us know, you can't have me if you won't surrender. If you won't give up like a little child, you can't be my disciple. You follow where we're coming from? As long as you think you've got all the resources you need and you really bring in something to this table, you're in trouble. You're not. He's not needing what you think you've got to offer. He's telling you, surrender. Let me go a step further with this. It's surrender. Give up. Stop. Stop what? Stop the worry, the fret, the anger. He already told us that in Psalm 37. Stop the worry, the fret. Stop talking about it all the time. Stop acting like it's the worst possible thing could happen. No, it is not. Thank goodness we don't have an imagination enough to know what's the worst thing that can happen. But here's what you can know. God is your God. So stop the worry, stop the fret, stop the, the fear, stop that stuff, stop that anger. Number two, cease the confidence that some human force will stop this fearful attack. No one is coming. I think that's one of the greatest things that I, I, I began to discover in these last few years. If you're waiting for somebody to come, you're in trouble. No one is coming. If you don't take care of you, nobody's going to take care of you. You follow that? No one's coming. So look this over. Trust only in God. So stop the confidence that some human force is going to come along. May I say this? If you're looking to November of 2024, to be the place that we get out of this mess, you're deluded. There is not a political solution to this, kids. And if I can say this, there's not an economic solution to it. You've already borrowed too much money. 
We're deep, too deep in debt to get out of it that way. You follow me? And I don't think we want to know what the military way out of this thing is. You follow me? Cease the confidence that some human force is coming. Stop the panic. Stop the panic. That's what he's telling you. That's when, it, when you are surrendering, you stop the panic. You know, I don't have anything left. I don't have anything to do. So stop the panic. Number four, stop prophesying your imagination for better or worse. Speak the word of God or be quiet. That, that's, that's what I mean. Stop, stop saying all these things that are going to take place. Well, if this happens, then that's going to happen. You're not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. You understand what I'm saying? You don't know because you're not in control. There is one who's in control. Flee to the refuge. Get to the hiding place. Get to the strong. Stay with the strong. He'll tell you what he's going to do. But if you, if you think that you're only going to be the one who prophesies some, I'm, I'm the one that guessed that, what's that? I, you know, I was watching one the other day and said, here's a guy that accurately predicted 2008. I said, so? I mean, what, what, what kind of genius does it take to know that you, if you, well, never mind. My point was simply this, guys. We have to stop prophesying what's going to take place. You don't know what's going to take place. You have no idea what God's going to do. He could just fool all of us real quick. You follow what I'm saying? So instead, be still. Stop justifying yourself and thinking you're exceptional. Well, this couldn't happen to us. This just can't happen to me. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. And stop trying to control it. I know people that get so fearful and so panicky because they're not in control. They have a better idea than God does about what should happen. And they're trying to tell God what he's got to do or try to enlist all kinds of people in order that you can have more people that'll help you tell God what to do. I think he knows. I think he knows. Okay. Now, if all that was in this verse was be still and stop doing that stuff, you'd still be fearful. Because here's what he says. It's be still and know. So stop being fearful, panicking, and running cower. Instead, get real active in knowing God. Get real active in prayer. Get real active in talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Get real active in reading the Word of God and meditating in the Word of God. Don't let that Bible sit. Pick it up and read it. If you need to listen to it, then listen to it too. But don't let those things intimidate you. You draw near to God. He will draw near to you. He wants to be wanted. That's why I'm encouraging you between now and Pentecost, pray. Pray often. Pray every day. Pray those things that take place. God is in charge of this, kids, and he's going to do something that's fantastic. Matter of fact, if I'm understanding Ezekiel, he does so many things that people will know that he is the Lord. He is just before doing some very fantastic stuff. And that's not me being a prophet. That's me reading the Word of God, saying this is what he said he was going to do right? Draw near. Know God. 
Do everything you can to know God. Gather with other people. Pray with other people. Talk with other people. Have fellowship. Listen, I am so grateful that our group has been getting together since, uh, Joe, how old is that, like 1993? It's a long time we've been meeting together. That's not a click, kids. That's people who know and love each other, want to get together to fellowship with each other. That's all it is. Can I encourage you? Get with other people. Don't, don't be lone rangers. You need other people. We need to encourage each other every day. So get with other people. Go out to dinner together. Have each other over for dinner. Do Bible studies together. Go places together. Go hiking together. Go walking together. But get together. Don't think of yourself as a private. Listen, if you, if you, if you keep the private stuff up, you're going to go down privately. You need each other. So get friends. And, and I'm going to talk about virtual friends. Yep, Facebook is fun. Uh, social media, fun. But it's not anything like being able to look at somebody and say, I didn't know you had that big a zit in your face. <laughs> yep, you understand what I say? What I mean is simply this. You've got to get with them. Talk with them. Get, get well enough you can tell whether they shave or they don't. You've got to get with them. And I'm, I know I'm being facetious with it. I just simply want you to get with other people. We need each other. And we're going to need each other especially to encourage each other. All right? He closes it out by saying this, the last thing he's doing kind of like a chorus, if you would. I'll be exalted among the nations. (laughs) The one who's in charge says, here's what I'm going to do. You may think that so-and-so's going to, China's going to be the great big power. Russia's going to be the great big power. United States is going to, stop. I can tell you who's going to be the great big power. He always has been. It's the same one that causes wars to cease. It takes the bows out of your hand. that cuts the spear in two. It's the same one who brings water. It's the same one who brings the... That's the one. And he will be exalted. And we're all going to know him. Why? Because the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you that we can be still and know that you're God. Forgive us when we panic. Forgive us when we think we have to be in control. Forgive us when we think that everything should happen well for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Give us understanding. And grant that we might draw near to you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Know who you have believed in. Be persuaded. And let God take care of the rest of that situation, will you? Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives and hearts. Thank you for the kindness you've shown to us again today. Thank you for the way you've watched over us this week and the way your care has been so gracious to us. We ask just now that you dismiss us with your grace and peace. Fill us with your words that we may speak those words to people all around us. Let us with great joy celebrate the, the gospel itself, and celebrate the goodness of that gospel. Thank you for what you will do in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. 
For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.